the gospel today is from the book of John, the 17th chapter. After Jesus had spoken these words to his disciples, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me, I have given to them, and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you all this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. So I know the language of this prayer is confusing. So here's what you need to know about it. Jesus is about to die. He's just finished washing his disciples' feet and giving them one last summary of his teaching. And right after this prayer, he will be betrayed, arrested, and crucified. What would your prayer include if you knew suffering lay ahead of you, where would your focus go? Me? Oh God, please don't let this happen to me. This isn't fair to me. Spare me the pain. My prayer would be about me. My comfort, my life, my preferences. Jesus prays for his disciples. In his hour of need, Jesus finds space within himself to remember that he isn't the only one who can hurt. He remembers his disciples who will face confusion and grief at his death, and his heart opens to consider their needs alongside his now, the church is the body of Christ on earth. The same God that anchored Jesus through his sorrow and suffering now anchors us in ours. And the same spirit that opened Jesus' heart now asks us to open ours. This is what church is about. 
We do not live to ourselves. We live to God, a God who is revealed in daily life through our neighbor. Church is the Copernican revolution of realizing that our individual lives do not stand at the center of things. No, at the center of things is God. And here at church, we dare to be guided by the assumption that true life is found not by us getting to do whatever we want, but by being drawn by God into God's own life in the world through working for our neighbor's good. That's what faith is. The process of being opened out of ourselves by God's grace. We at Mount Olivet should already know this well. We had a whole campaign last year called Be Open. It took its name from a passage in scripture where Jesus encounters a deaf man and brings him aside, sticks his fingers in his ears, and touches this guy's tongue and says, be opened. And suddenly this man can speak and hear. What a picture of grace, of the church in action not just the miracle cure, but the fact that this man and the community around him are opened to each other to walk together more deeply. And the same grace guided us. Our campaign, we said over and over again, wasn't about the needs of our congregation. It was about being opened by God's grace for the good of the wider community. We've been hearing a lot about churches opening this past week. And I want to start by saying that I think it's really sad that opening church has been taken to mean opening the church building for church members. And I think it's sad because the primary kind of opening we should be doing at any point is the kind of opening that God does in us opening our hearts to love our neighbor and work for the good of the community. That is the church's mission. And the church has been around for 2,000 years. We've been through other pandemics. We've been through natural disasters and wars and revolutions. We've seen times of great persecution and oppression. Times, including today, when people have been martyred for living their lives opened up and unashamed because of God's grace in Jesus. And the Spirit, under every circumstance, has always made ministry, this ministry of being open, possible. The church is the work of the Spirit. It's not the work of the walls of the building. It's not the work of pronouncements from the government. It's simply the Spirit coming to us again and again, opening our hearts to this reality that we are loved by God and connected in community with our neighbor. And the Spirit will not fail. 
So let us remember that when we talk about opening church, we are not talking primarily about opening a building. We are talking about opening our hearts to being drawn by God into God's work in the world. The discussion around opening church has also made me sad because the church has never actually been closed. We are indeed essential, and that's why we have stayed open through this time. Sure, you can't come to the building, but the church isn't actually the building. It's you, it's me, it's all of us together, called by the Spirit. The church is the people, we are the people that God opens up to bear God's mercy into the world. And refraining from meeting in person doesn't stop church. As long as God is living, the church will be open, proclaiming the gospel by seeking the good of all. And in fact, I want to believe that closing our building right now is part of how we've proclaimed the gospel. I want to believe that it's part of how we have sought the good of our community. And this is what makes me most sad about the discussion about opening churches. I feel like this past week, we have missed the whole point of Jesus' prayer today. Jesus, when he is faced with suffering, prays for the needs of his neighbors and makes room in his heart for others. Multiple church bodies in Minnesota, when faced with their suffering, spoke out to get their own way about in-person worship. Listen, I have no doubts that Roman Catholics and Missouri Synod Lutherans were motivated by a deep love for their members this past week. I do not mean to trash the sincere faith commitments of other Christians, especially on a day when we hear Jesus pray for unity. But a sermon is about honesty, and unity runs deeper than agreement. And so I have to tell you that it is so difficult for me to square a picture of Jesus who willingly goes to the cross for our sake with churches who gather in his name, who are responding to this moment of great need in our world by advocating for themselves. It is bewildering to me that of all the ways God might open us up right now to join God's work in the world, to be there for our neighbors, these churches think that where their voice is most needed to the point of threatening civil disobedience is to get their people in their buildings again. Their people who, by the way, tend to be older and sicker than the average slice of America and in a disease that we still really don't know all that much about. And for what? To prove a point about religious liberty? Because Walmart getting to open before we do makes us so upset that we're willing to risk this holy space becoming a site for disease transmission? 
because cultural warriors have told you that Christians are being discriminated against in this country and this is what that looks like? Does all of this match how Jesus is praying this morning? Is this the spirit of Jesus? The amazing thing, of course, is that these churches got their way. They had a media blitz. They pressured the governor and he caved. And I want to know, what if these churches had applied the same kind of passion to speaking up for their neighbors outside of the church? What if the line in the sand that got us parading around in front of cameras and barging into the halls of power and threatening to break the rules wasn't getting to open up our own church buildings, but saying that no one should go hungry during this pandemic or no one should be homeless? Can you imagine what God would do with that? Can you imagine how we'd all be opened? Listen to Jesus' prayer. It teaches us that the church is not an end to itself. It doesn't stand at the center of the universe. The church is doing what we are supposed to when God's grace opens us up to live for the good of others, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's really hard. Being the church, it's like wearing a mask in public. You willingly inconvenience yourself and maybe even look a little foolish. And you do it not for your own gain, but so your neighbor doesn't get sick. Being church is like the stories of the veterans at Mount Olivet, the stories you have told me about your time in the service. And I've been thinking about you all this Memorial Day weekend. You tell me that you just knew how your own survival depended on the people around you. How you sensed that the only way for you to get through the, the struggle was together. How you needed to take risks and endure discomfort to make sure your buddies stayed safe. I am grateful for your service and I am grateful for your stories. And I wonder if stories like these might lead us into what it means to be church right now. Listen, I don't have any firm answers for what's best for Mount Olivet, what decisions we should make, but I do believe that this whole world right now is like one big combat unit in the midst of a great battle. And the only way we're gonna get through it is together. So we've got to ask ourselves how God is opening us up as a church to seeing our part, ourselves as one part of God's world rather than standing at the center of it. And that's not me saying that we should meet or shouldn't meet in person or anything like that. That's not my call. We actually have a pandemic response team meeting this week. It's filled with leaders who are called to wade into this murkiness and they will wisely chart a course forward for us. What I am saying is that whatever decisions the church is making during this time, they cannot be just about ourselves. We have to ask 
how God is opening us up out of ourselves to join God's work of loving our neighbors in the world. This is hard work. We're not used to thinking this way, and we will not do it perfectly. But we can rest in the fact that we are not alone in all of this. Jesus knew what it was to suffer and not have answers. And he made space in his heart for the needs of others, and he prayed for his followers. And that includes you and me. Amen.